Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study that we post on Wednesday evenings. For those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ on Wednesday evenings for midweek Bible classes. We know that there are people even in the Omaha area who cannot be with us for various reasons, scheduling, illness, physical infirmities, whatever the case might be. But we know also that there are people across the country and literally around the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to be in Bible studies, but obviously they live in other parts of the country or the world, and they cannot be with us in person either. So we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. We consider that a blessing that, we're, that God has blessed us to be able to do that, and we want it to be a blessing for you and for all of those who will tune in and listen to these studies as we podcast them. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Help somebody in your life get into God's Word through these studies. They're practical. They're down-to-earth. They're scriptural. We also encourage you to tell people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, that's free. It always will be free. And when they do that, they'll receive these Wednesday night Bible classes, the Sunday morning Bible study, also all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures, And one more, another daily short Bible class that we call today's Bible class, usually only about 13 or 14 minutes long. But it's, again, all of this will go to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their phone, their computer, whichever one they choose. So tell everybody, take advantage of it yourself. And we hope that more and more people will listen to these studies and come closer and closer to God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So being in God's Word is critical to the development, strength, and growth of our faith. We're going to get back into John chapter 6. We're studying in John's gospel account of the life and ministry of Jesus upon this earth. And as we've emphasized, John's gospel account is different. It is distinct from Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel accounts. Those are very parallel. They cover a great deal. In fact, probably most of the same uh, same situations, same uh, settings, and so on. John's is different. It kind of stands alone, and it, foc- it takes a different focus on the life and ministry of Jesus. And so we, when we put all of them together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we get the bigger picture of the gospel accounts and the life and ministry of Jesus upon this earth. We're in chapter 6, and this is a long chapter. Uh, in fact, probably the longest chapter in the entire gospel account according to John. We find in this particular chapter Jesus feeding miraculously 5,000 5, men about 5,000. And he does that with a very small amount of food. So when we go back to verse 9, uh, Jesus had already asked the apostles, or he'd asked, uh, he'd asked Philip at least, you know, where do we get enough money to buy food to feed all of these people coming to hear me teach? And we're probably talking about 
a, a large meadow perhaps or a large open area out in the country someplace where that many people could just kind of mill and gather together to come to hear Jesus teach and to see him. Probably a number of them had never been in his presence before. They'd heard about him. They'd heard about his teachings. They'd heard about the miracles that he had been performing and healing the sick and so on. And so they found out he's going to be in this particular area, and they probably just kind of gravitated over there, and more and more people came. Probably some people asked others who were passing by, maybe in kinds of streams, and they said, where are you going? And what's going on? And they said, we're going to hear this, this man Jesus teaching. Uh, he claims to be the Messiah. He claims to be the Savior, the Son of God. And so more and more people probably joined the procession out there, and they came to that particular setting where Jesus was. And so he began he began uh, teaching them. Now, when he sees all these people coming, he asks Philip, one of his apostles, um, where, where are we going to get enough money to buy food for all these people? And Philip says, hey, you know... <laughs> Basically, Philip says, we don't have enough money to give each of them even a little morsel to eat. Uh, there's so many. And then, then uh, Andrew, another one of, this, uh, of the apostles, tells Jesus, well, there's a lad here, a young boy, and he has five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, these barley loaves would not have been like what we consider to be a loaf of bread today, where it's kind of, you know, a long loaf and you might get 20 or 30 slices out of it. These are small, little loaves of bread. And so you were talking about more like a lunch for the, for the young boy. And so he's got five barley loaves, two small fish, and then again, Andrew says, but what are these among so many? You wouldn't even have enough to take a little pinch off of, uh, of the loaves and, 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 and the fish and then spread them around through this about 5,000-man uh, crowd out there. And, and so Jesus just, he says, uh, you know, tell everybody to sit down. And so they all sat down, and then he took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the, to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. And so we're looking at, at verses, uh, we're looking at verses starting back, with, you know, with about verse 5 and going down through, through uh, verse 12. And so... They all sit down, all the people sit down. The apostles, they, they take the, the food that Jesus has given thanks for and, and, and has, has been blessed, and they start distributing. And he tells them, give to everybody as much as they want, and they start distributing them uh, this food. Now, I wonder what, <laughs> wonder what their perception was, that is the apostles' perception, as each of them, 12 of them, how do you divide five small loaves of barley and two small fish among 12 apostles? You know, if you look at all the different, you know, elements there, you've got five loaves of bread and then two fish, that's only seven, you've got 12 apostles passing out the food. Where'd all that food come from? And I wonder what their perception was as they began distributing this food to 
And this must have taken a while for 12 men to distribute to 5,000 men. What their perception was as they, they, they would continue to hand out some of the food to each individual as they went by, and, and they keep looking in whatever the trays, baskets, whatever it is, they're each holding their portion of the food in, distributing, and then taking from them. It never ends up. I mean, it never, never goes away. It never, never you know, gets to the point where there's none left. And then Jesus says in verse 12, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And then verse 13 says, when they gathered up all the leftovers, there were 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, again, if you're looking at it from a human perspective, you say, how'd that happen? Where'd all that food come from? This young boy only had five small barley loaves and two small fish, and here all these thousands of men have eaten, and Jesus said, you know, as much as they want, and there's 12 baskets of leftovers. Well, of course, Jesus performed this miracle. Now, that was a very impressive miracle to the people gathered there, and then when we come over to let me come over to, uh, let's drop down, let's drop down to uh, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force, now go back to verse 14, those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Now again, Jesus being God the Son, having, you know, divine a divine knowledge, he understood what their real thoughts were. And so when Jesus perceived, verse 15, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again into the mountain by himself alone. Now, Jesus did not come to be a physical king. He came to be the spiritual king of the Jewish people and of all those who had become Christians. And and so here are some men. Well, they're impressed. 5,000 guys sitting there. And this, this man, Jesus, he miraculously feeds all of them as much as they want. And there's 12 baskets of leftovers. And so they're going to force him to become king or to become their leader. Now, that's not, they did not have the right mindset. They were not understanding things, or at least not making the proper applications to what they were seeing and what they were experiencing. And so Jesus just simply leaves them, goes back up into the mountain by himself. Now, in the meantime, the apostles, the apostles, they, they get in, into a boat and they start going across the sea to Capernaum. And, um, but, but these men, at least a great number of them, they've camped out at the base of the mountain where Jesus has gone up on, into, and they're waiting for him the next day. They're waiting for him to come down. So verse 16, again, when the evening came, the disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and went over the sea to Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not, got, not come to them. And then the sea arose because of the great wind blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were afraid. But he said, it is I, do not be afraid. And they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going, verse 21. So this is where Jesus walks upon the water, 
and he gets into the boat with the apostles, and they they uh, you know they had been experiencing something of a of a storm, so to speak, and now they're at the shoreline over by Capernaum where they were headed. Well, so the next morning when the men who had been camped out at the base of the mountains where Jesus had gone up to escape those who were trying to force him to be something that he was not there to be, they, they see he's gone. How, how did he leave? So verse 22 says, in the following day when the people were standing, who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there were no other boats except the one which, is, which his disciples had entered and that Jesus was not, had not entered the boat with the disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, so probably some had gone up into the mountain searching for him, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So they're not giving up. They're now they're hunting for Jesus. Where did he go? What happened? Now again, they've probably been based at the been camped at the base of the of the, of the mountain where Jesus went up into all night. The apostles are gone. Some of them probably, and you have to read in between the lines here a little bit, probably some of them have gone up into the mountain to search for Jesus. He was not to be found. Well, so they got into boats, and they went across the sea over to Capernaum also. In verse 25, when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And so they asked him, and probably their thought was, how did you get here? When did you come? How did you get here? We were waiting for you at the base of the mountain was in their minds, and, and, and we never saw you. When did you come here? So we pick up in earnest with verse 26. Now, Jesus, he starts to thin out the crowd. And we closed last time. I think I, that's kind of where I left, left you, is that uh, Jesus, at this point, begins to, if you look at it from the perspective of somebody in the produce business. I used to be a produce manager many, 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 many years ago. And every morning I would go through the rack of produce that had been sitting there overnight, and I would start to look for some that had spoiled sufficiently that did not want to put it there anymore. I'd, you know, you'd go through and you'd pick up the heads of lettuce and you would cut off the the uh, where where the the stems had had become browned overnight, you'd make them all look fresh. You'd take off leaves that had kind of wilted and so on, and so you'd go through that and kind of freshen up that rack, and that was called culling the rack. You're thinning it out, but now you're able to put fresher produce in there, uh, along with the produce that was left over from the day before. So it kind of called culling the rack. Well, Jesus was about to thin the crowd, or you could say call the crowd. How many, there, how many of those men were there? How many of those men who stayed overnight waiting for him to come down from the mountain, how many of them had the pure mindset, the pure motive, I, I want to learn more about this man who claims to be the Savior? 
I saw what he did yesterday in feeding the 5,000 men who had gathered to hear him talk and teach. I want to know more about him or how many of them were really interested in simply benefiting from the miraculous power that they had witnessed the day before if they would make Jesus their leader. And remember, remember um, uh, back in verse 15, when Jesus received, uh, perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again into the mountain by himself alone. Now, so how many of them simply wanted this miracle-performing man to be their king and take care of them in miraculous ways. So Jesus is about to call the rack, so to speak. He's about to thin the crowd, and many are going to ultimately walk away from him. So in verse 26, now again, the end of verse 25, they ask him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, You seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. And so Jesus, you know, cuts right to the bottom line, so to speak. He said, "You're you're not here to follow me because of the signs you saw. You're here because you ate a big meal last yesterday. You, your, your bellies were filled. And so he says, look, there's physical food and there's spiritual food. Don't labor for the food which perishes. That's physical. And that's going to be all around you anyway. But labor for the food which endures to everlasting life, and that's going to be spiritual food. Now, they wanted, okay, well, let's, let's go a little bit further and then, then let, let me make an application here. Verse 28, they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Well, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Now that would, that would work, that would bother a lot of people who uh, are, are teaching that, that salvation, that works have, have, have nothing to do with salvation. Now, when you think about it from the perspective of can we work, do good works long enough, hard enough, effective enough to obligate God to pay us with salvation as though we were getting a paycheck from our, from our secular job, our physical job, uh, every week or every two weeks or every month, however it is that we get paid monetarily, no, we can't earn our salvation. But Jesus talks here about, about believing as being the work of God. We, we need to be active in our faith in Jesus and in God and not just kind of sit there and say, hey, I believe that's enough. That's not enough. True saving faith is active, working, obedient faith. It's not complacent. It's not sedentary. It's active and obedient and serving. It's working faith. James goes into great detail along that line in the second half of James chapter 2. And all everybody would do well to read that chapter and probably read it a number of times on a regular basis. So we come back to John chapter 6 here. So Jesus, again, he answers and says, after he's been asked by them, or at least some of them, 
what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom you sent, whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? (laughs) Now, understand, they were in the crowd of about 5,000 men the day before that Jesus had miraculously fed with with five small loaves, barley loaves, and two small fish. They saw what he could do. They saw that sign. They saw that miracle. Now, that's the day before. Now they're asking him the next day, what sign will you show? What sign will you do? Can can you imagine that question? What sign will you perform that we may believe it, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Let me suggest something to you. Um, They were ready for breakfast. (laughs) Again, they had seen Jesus take seven small portions of food and miraculously feed about 5,000 men the day before. And now they're asking him, what sign will you perform? What work will you do? Come on but they were looking for another miracle. Our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're making a reference back to the Israelite history of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, during which God miraculously fed the people with manna every morning. And also he fed them with quail uh, in, in, in the evening. He, he did that for those 40 years approximately that they wandered around, or I call it piddling around in the wilderness. And so th- these men are directly suggesting, are you going to keep feeding us? What kind of sign are you going to do? What kind of sign are you going to perform that we may see it and believe and believe you? What work will you do? One thing we need to understand and remember is that even though God miraculously fed the people of Israel during those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they continually struggled with their faith in God and dedication to God. And so why would you think it would be any different with these men who who had seen Jesus the day before miraculously feed about 5,000 of them, and now they're saying, hey, you know, what sign are you going to show us? What sign are you going to perform? What good work are you going to do that we may believe in you? What more sign did they need? And then they, they, they specifically refer to God feeding their forefathers hundreds and hundreds of years before in the wilderness miraculously. What did they, did they, were they suggesting? Are you going to keep feeding us every day miraculously? People in our culture right now want to be taken care of by other people without having to do the work to earn their own living. And I'm not being mean-spirited in saying that. That is absolutely obvious. I'm not talking about everybody, obviously. I'm talking about there is a growing segment within our, within our uh, citizenry in this country who continually want somebody, the government, but now where does the government get money? From taxpayers, you see, the government doesn't produce anything, it, but it will tax the people. And so whatever, whatever money the government you know, 
has, they, they get it from the, ta- from the citizenry who pay taxes. And there is a growing segment within our, within our country who basically do not pay taxes, at least income taxes, but they take money from the government to sustain their well-being, their livelihood, give them food and shelter and so on. And they want it that way. They like it that way. They don't want to have to go out and get a job and earn their own living, go to work every day, five days a week at least. They, they want to be taken care of. And we are a very benevolent nation. But we need to understand that God created us to work for a living, not to expect somebody else to take care of us when we could earn our own keep, so to speak. And so our fathers ate men in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, verse 32, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus keeps trying to steer them away from their physical mindset about physical food to his bringing them the bread of heaven, the bread of eternal life, the spiritual teachings of the gospel that he brought from heaven itself. They said to him then, Lord, give us this bread always. Well, they're still thinking physical. We want you to keep feeding us. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is speaking from the spiritual perspective. He's not talking about physical food. You come to me, I will give you a spiritual sustenance that is going to be fulfilling and that is going to give you the assurance of eternal life ultimately through me, your Savior. But I said to you that you have, that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Now, who is it that the Father was going to give to Jesus and still gives to Jesus? Who would come to him? Those who believe the gospel plan of salvation and eternal life that Jesus brought from heaven. It's not a matter of where God picks out some people and says, I'm going to save you. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to make you believe in, in, in my son as the Savior. And then he leaves others out. No, no that's, that would be prejudicial on God's part. And God is not prejudiced. God is not a respecter of person. He doesn't show partiality. We read that over and over and over in the scriptures. But he sent Jesus with the gospel message of salvation and eternal life through Jesus as our Savior And all who will come to God through Jesus in response to that message, that teaching, the gospel itself, then those are the ones who are going to be saved. Those are the ones who are going to be with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven for all of eternity. In verse 38, Jesus goes on and says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him 
may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, now see again, all of those who, all of those who believe in Jesus, who come to him as the Savior, will have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the, at the last day. We're talking about that final day of judgment, when the saved will be raised to eternal life in heaven. Now, again, that's not the message that the people on that day were looking for from Jesus. They were looking for breakfast or lunch, you know, <laughs> the meal for the next day. In fact, you know, again, they specifically refer to Jesus. Hey, you remember how, how we were given, our forefathers were given food miraculously every day in the wilderness? And, uh, you know, Jesus says, uh, you know, God gives you the bread of life. Hey, give us this bread always, they say. He says, I'm the bread of life. You need to come to me. You need to be broadening your scope or your perspective, your horizon of understanding and focus in your life. Get past the physical food and look for the spiritual nourishment that God the Father has sent me to bring to you through the gospel message of salvation and eternal life. They were having a hard time focusing, hard time focusing. Verse 41 says, then the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread of life, which came down from heaven. Now think about yesterday, he fed all those people miraculously with a few morsels of food. Today, they want him to feed them again, and they want him to continue to feed them. They want to make him the king so they can take care of them physically. <laughs> and he keeps telling them, that's not what I'm here for primarily. Those are simply signs or wonders or miracles to impress upon you that I am the Savior from God. You need to come to me for the spiritual nourishment, the spiritual teaching that will assure you of eternal life in heaven. They can't get past the physical. Jesus is trying to get across to them the spiritual lessons they need to learn. We're going to stop here. We'll pick up with verse 41 next time. We'll finish this particular chapter. Now, as I said, this is the longest chapter in John's gospel account, 71 verses altogether, and I believe we'll be able to finish it next time. But what tremendous lessons we need to learn from this. We still, as humanity, and I'm afraid that more and more it's becoming obvious in our nation, we're having problems focusing on the spiritual because we're all caught up in the physical. We need to open our eyes and broaden our horizons of understanding and focus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending Jesus into this world with the gospel. Thank you for that message of salvation, eternal life, forgiveness, redemption in him. Help us to see that we need to look past just the physical side of life and we, look, we need to look to the more important spiritual side of life and help us to follow you, Father, your way through Jesus Christ, according to your word. 
Please, Father, we pray at this time. Please forgive us and hear a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.